This is Ventures Africa. Hi, I'm Cynthia Okorafo, and this is Beyond the Headlines. The topics we'll be discussing today are NDA berates prominent Nigerians in the proposed FG militants peace talk, and how one Nigerian asylum seeker story is highlighting the plight of refugees this World Refugee Day. After this, we will round up with the minute news. To talk about the Nigerian Avengers berating the rules of prominent Nigerians in the proposed FG militants peace talk, I have David Aditola here today. Hi, David. Ah, Cynthia, I'm good. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. You look good, also. Just Thank saying. You. Me too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Right, so diving in, what is the latest on the proposed peace talk between the federal government and the Niger Delta militants? The latest in the peace talk proposed by the federal government of Nigeria uh, is the meeting that held in Asaba mm. at the Delta State's um, government house. And the reports we got from that particular meeting have it that the federal government of Nigeria was represented by the Minister of State for Petroleum, also the Governor of Delta State was present in that particular meeting and also representatives of, of various militant groups. So we uh, got to report that in that particular meeting, we had um, representatives of the Shekiri militant group, the popular one we are very used to, Ayurima Amami. And also we had uh, another person, Michael Jonin and uh, Beneke Gospar, those ones were said to have represented the Ninja Delta Avengers. Okay. Although, later on, the Ninja Delta Avengers came so to... Yes, they said they were not represented in that meeting. And that has actually brought a whole lot of confusion. If truly the federal government has met with the Avengers, and let's say on the overall, now with the Ninja Delta militants, and the Avengers that are even the ones, you know, Claiming several attacks that have paralyzed the Nigerian economy, they are they are even saying they are not part of the proposed talk. I mean, the talk that that held last week. Right. So, but what do you think the gap is? Is it that they didn't actually still? Because you know, initially they were saying how they didn't want yes. to have a sit down at yes. all. So are you saying that they still probably held on to that, but didn't quite pass the message across? No. Or the federal government just got people together and to say, oh, these are the Nigerians. I, I think the later, the later is the case. Because if you would see uh, the press statement they issued afterwards, mm. the militants are from the Ninja Delta Avenger uh, group now. What they claimed is they, so there are some elements, sorry, there, there are some persons. I mean, the governor of uh, Edo State, uh, the other other powerful stakeholders in the mm. ruling party, they mm. were the ones that probably brought up these persons to come and represent the interests of, of, of the Avengers. Without actually... Without actually reaching across groups. to the exact personalities behind that particular group. So that is the current situation on ground. And uh, from the look of things, the Avengers have said they won't be part of... They won't be part of any talk that will not bring a lasting solution to the issues of the Ninja Delta people. Right. So in the general opinion now of the public is that they were not involved in the, and I mean the Avengers, that they were not involved in the peace talk at all. Of course, as as far as the previous peace talks that held last week, they were not involved, according to them. And probably they are still looking forward to meeting with the federal government 
to mm. end the whole crisis in the Niger Delta region. But do you think this also like speaks of a disconnect between the Avengers and I don't know the leaders in the region, for example? Because you, the names that you mentioned, for example, are supposed to be for them to have come for the meeting. It means that they are renowned in their communities in the Niger Delta region, right? They obviously, are leaders, youth leaders, whatever. So, what kind of relationship do you even think that the Avengers have with these? Because at the end of the day, if they like are proposing or putting forward this huge um, vision for the region to say, oh, we don't want this um, oil spillage anymore. We want you know foreign oil companies to leave or at least you know clean up the mess or definitely clean up the mess, right? Shouldn't some of these leaders that were present, for example, have some kind of like liaison with these people and even say, okay, we can even speak to them to an extent? I, I, I think I agree with your position to a very large extent. But the problem is this. Even the leaders are claiming they don't know the true faces behind the Ninja Delta Avengers. Mm. Although that's very surprising. But notwithstanding, exactly. That's surprising. That, that, that's surprising. And, mm. and, and, and I will want you to understand that, you know, we are coming from a particular point. We had uh, the movement for the Ninja Delta Emancipation uh, Group. Mm-hmm. I mean, MEND now. And yes. this group got an amnesty from the federal government during the previous administration. And they are actually one of those persons, I mean, one of those groups that the Ninja Delta Avenger Group has been, you know, berating and condemning for their, for their current role in this current struggle. They feel those ones are actually after monetary gains, mm-hmm. in which is against what the Ninja Delta Avengers group is claiming. So definitely, there is a disconnect between the Ninja Delta Avengers and other militant groups, especially those that have been, you know, beneficiaries of the uh, presidential amnesty program in the past. Mm-hmm. But the only issue we have in here is this. There should be a connect between the Ninja Delta Avengers and the leaders. I mean, probably the kings. At the very least, yes. So you can remain faceless, right? But then, and at least you, you guys can be sworn to secrecy. Oh, of course. You can represent us, but you cannot say who we are. You cannot say more than what we told you to uh, say. Exactly. That should probably at least uh, Exactly. Exactly. And sincerely, we are going to probably put the blames. We're going to share the blame on the, 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 the militants themselves, I mean, mm-hmm. the Ninja Delta Avengers, of and course. the leaders. Definitely. Because if the Federal Minister of Petroleum is coming to your state to come and have a meeting with you and, and, and the militants, you should find a way to incorporate Ninja Delta Avengers. In fact, they are the most uh, respected, let me say, respected in quotes now of all the militants we know in the Ninja Delta. Yes, because everything you said they would do, they actually did. They have been carrying out their threats. Right. So hopefully the next discussions will be better than this one that just happened and we will have less oh, conflicts in the region. Sincerely, we do. Thank you very much for coming, David. Thank you, Cynthia. Moving on to how one Nigerian asylum seeker story is highlighting the plight of refugees this World Refugee Day. So, David, what to you? Okay, Cynthia, we've heard about Hazy Okafor's story. Mm-hmm. How do you think his story highlights what asylum seekers go through? Right. As we learned today's World Refugee Day, right? So we use this one man story to like explain what asylum seekers in particular, well not in particular, but to start with, go through in like countries where they try to gain asylum. He was in Iceland for like four years after trying and failing to get a, a permanent stay or to get asylum from Iceland because he ran away from Niduguri in twenty ten, I think that was. And that was because his family actually was in danger of being like killed. Well, him and his brother were asked to join the Boko Haram group and they refused, obviously. That got his brother killed. They actually attacked the house, killed the brother, right? He got stabbed in the head twice or something, or in the face as well. Yes, in the head and in the face. He managed to escape, you know, 
and you know how these journeys go trying to escape to different country trying to um, get a place get to asylum hide. exactly so he ran right and he lands in western europe he's in sweden first he tries to get the asylum there they don't give it to him he gets the help of a lawyer he makes his way to iceland she helps him get a temporary residence. He's working. He's trying to build his life. He's, he's living there for a while. It's not like, and in a case where, okay, you have worries about which is the uh, biggest fear is, or you allow people into your country, these migrants, you don't know what their background is, where they're coming from. They might be criminals, they might be terrorists. This is the general discussion on the EU and co tables, right? But this is a man that had to flee because he was in serious trouble. I mean, once he lands here, the belief is that he will be taken, he will be killed. He says people have networks. As he gets to the airport, there are people probably like, you know, pastors, officials of some sort. Surveillance. Pick him up, exactly, and take him and kill him. This is his reality. So I'm not just, I've been living here for four years. I'm not like, um, I'm a liability. I work here. I have friends here. I, you know, I contribute as I can to the community. I'm trying to be the life here. Why is it so difficult for you to grant me asylum? Because I actually really need it. And he's been going back and forth on the issue for four years. Eventually, he was asked to go back and try again to renew something. That was it. Handcuffs. Don't take anything. You're being deported. So now he's just he's just like he's hanging. He's practically in no man's land. He's not a citizen of Iceland. He's not one of Sweden, but he's in, he's been taken to Sweden. He's living on the streets. He can't come back home because he's scared. And this is the reality of a lot of asylum seekers throughout the world, usually in European countries. A lot of them are fleeing. We know from Syria, from Somalia, from Ethiopia, from like serious problems, conflicts, you know, destroying the country. People are being killed, people are dying. And they make this like very dangerous journeys in the seas to get in the first place. Yes, maybe not open your, you know, entire country to every single migrant. But then when people actually have a legitimate story, maybe hear them out and like allow them to become one of you, grant them basic human rights. He was rough handled by these officials that took him in. He was beaten up. It was because of that that people were like, no, we actually know this guy. He's not a bad person. He's not a criminal. Like, why are you beating him up? Even two of such people, human rights activists, followed him onto the plane and yeah. started protesting. They got arrested. Exactly. So people in different parts of the world know that it's a basic human I mean, treat a person as a person first and then let's do the paperwork after. You can't keep just maltreating people or keeping them hanging they, they don't know what to do they don't know where to go if you can actually help it so oh. that's how easy story comes into play easy story is a very pathetic one if you ask me yes but do, do you think the situation of refugees around the world can change anytime soon anytime soon maybe not we know very recently the european union and turkey struck a deal to well in Lehman's terms close up their borders we don't want migrants it's been a discussion for months and months while we're and this is the latest development is no more of these people can come in. And everybody is like saying, oh, you got all people who are concerned who are like humanitarians and rights activists are saying, oh, you can't do that. It's not the right way to go about these things. At least, you know, reconsider, you know, and all of that. So seeing as that just happened, I don't think that any of that is going to change soon. But what can happen is, for example, if governments can be convinced to look inward and like, I don't know, re-examine their policies, especially because... In in actual sense, whether or not a person is on foreign soil or on their own indigenous soil, human rights abuse is human rights abuse. You know, lack of consideration is the same. It doesn't change wherever you are. So governments are being urged, begged, you know, to consider the fact that people need their help when it comes to fleeing 
conflict ridden regions in the world and just well, accept them. Also, um, individuals in the communities, how you open your arms to them. I mean, if people, for example, say, you know, oh, it's fine. Why the ones living here? You can let people come in. We're not worried about our society or our economy as, as, in, as regards to them ruining it, right? We don't see them as threats or as, uh, contaminations of sorts. Let them come in. It's fine. We embrace them. We know what they are running from and we would like to help them as we can. Of course, at, le- at least for the period that the conflicts and all the problems might, are going on in their country. Exactly, that it might last for. Let's even see what happens. Let's do the human, the humane thing rather, and you know, help them out first. So, but hopefully this this hap- this happens. Otherwise, we're not sure what the refugees might be facing in the long run. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you, David, very much. And now the minute news for today. Resident doctors at the Obafemi Awolowo University Teaching Hospital, Ileife, have stopped attending to patients in line with the ongoing indefinite strike by doctors. The Senate President, Dr. Bukola Saraki, along with his deputy, Ike Kweremadu, and other accused individuals are set to appear before the Federal High Court in Abuja. The flexible exchange rate policy by the Central Bank of Nigeria commences today. In African news, a strange disease in central Tanzania has killed seven people while others have been admitted for treatment. James Waninga, the Vice President of South Sudan, is visiting Ethiopia today to discuss the peace deal. And in international news, the poll to decide Britain's future in the EU is now at a tie. That was Minute News for today, and this has been Beyond the Headlines. My name is Cynthia Okorafo. Thank you for listening. Let's do this again tomorrow. Bye. To read more of our stories and listen to our podcasts, visit VenturesAfrica.com. Follow us on Twitter at VenturesAfrica, Facebook, and other social media platforms. This is Ventures Africa.